If you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1 this morning, Mark chapter 1, the gospel of Mark, the gospel in the sense that it is the story of the good news. Um, Mark's account of it, the shortest of the four gospels, uh, less detail in some of the things and some of the events, but we'll see the power uh, of it as we, as we go through it. And remember how we started this study. Um, we were thinking about the Olympics as the apostle Paul did a few weeks ago. Um, a few thousand years ago, the apostle Paul wrote about the Olympics because the Olympics have been going on, you know, for a long time, uh, in various forms. And, and Paul gave us the encouragement in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that we should use the Olympics to look at how people train for stuff that doesn't really matter. Oh, it's, it's cool and it's important and it matters in, in very temporary ways. But he says we should look at the way they train for things that don't really matter and we should use that same kind of enthusiasm, that same kind of diligence, that, diligence, that same kind of commitment to train for things that do matter. And in essence, the greatest training that we're all in as believers in Jesus Christ is that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Every day that we live, everything that we face. I, I like the one line in, in one of the songs this morning, uh, turning or giving order back to the chaos. And some of us thought, when's that going to happen? And then we sang this last song and we realized it's happening right now. Our, our chaos is being calmed down and brought back to order as we remember that he's got this. And we know that about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and to have his peace while we're going through this chaotic time, and remember, it's not just this time, it's all of our times, all, everything that's been happening in the world since these things were written has been chaotic. But we have a special sense of peace, like the peace of Jesus himself. And we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark to see who it is that we're supposed to be training to be like. Who is it that God is working hard in our lives, in each of our lives, in different ways? Who is it that God is working hard to make us like? It's Jesus. And so we're going to look at him through the Gospel of Mark over these next few months um, to, to see what the target is, to see who it is that we're becoming like. And this morning, in uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, we're going to uh, start the reading uh, from verse 9, as we introduced the, the gospel last week. And remember this, if you miss a, if you miss a week, um, on our website you have the ability to go back and listen uh, to the messages. I encourage you to do that to, stay, to keep the continuity and to keep looking at this one that we're becoming like his image. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. At that time, this is when John was baptizing, John the Baptist. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. We heard about this voice in Psalm 29 earlier. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, 
and angels attended him. Mark started his gospel by saying, in the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. And here in this opening section, he, he lets us see very clearly, without a lot of detail, but he lets us see very clearly that this person that he's writing about, this person that he is using the, the, the title gospel, good news about, is none other than the Son of God. The humble, and, and, and think of the, the contradiction almost of that, the humble Son of God. Humbling himself to go out into the, into the wilderness where John is baptizing. John, the, the one who's identifying with the prophets like Elijah in his, in his strange dress and in, in, in strange diet. He's out there baptizing people for, for the repentance of, of their sins and they're confessing their sins. And here comes Jesus, the sinless one, the son of God, God himself. The maker of all of these people that are out there being baptized by John. The maker of John himself. He comes out there and humbles himself to be baptized by him. Now the other gospels give some other details about these events. And I'd encourage you as you study the gospel of Mark over these months to, to look at those things. But we're just going to focus on the things that Mark includes. And so you think about Jesus humbling himself, the son of God, humbling himself to be baptized in this baptism of repentance, a repentance that he didn't need to make himself. Remember what repentance is? Repentance is turning away from sin in our minds and our actions. And Jesus didn't have any sin to turn away from. The people of, of Judea and Jerusalem who came down there, they did because they were people like us. They had plenty of reason to, to repent. They had plenty of things to repent of, plenty of sins to confess. And they were doing that as John was announcing that somebody was coming that was greater than him. Well, that one has now come. And that one who came humbled himself and was baptized in water, the water of, of repentance and of confession, not because of sins he had committed, but because he wanted us to follow his example. And so he humbled himself and was, was baptized in that water. And then that great event took place. I love the, the expression that the, the heavens were torn open. And this, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests on him. What a testimony. What a witness that God himself is making about, him, about his son. And then the father, after the spirit comes down, then the father makes this great statement. This is my son, my only, my beloved son, and I'm pleased with him. What a statement, what, a, what an introduction Mark is making about Jesus, about this one that we're supposed to be imitating, this one that we're supposed to be learning from, this one that we're being conformed into his image, the son of God, the amazing son of God. What we're going to see through the rest of this gospel are things that no one but God himself could do. In fact, what he was experiencing just after his baptism was going to be one of those things. Where he was going to go into that wilderness by himself and face 
the temptations of Satan. And so while, while Mark is being very clear to let us know that this is the Son of God, the unique Son of God, the only Son of God, the only one who's going to be able to take care of the sin problem of the world, and not only of the world, but our own, our personal sin problem, only Jesus is going to be able to do that as the Son of God. He also is, is showing him in this introduction, he's also letting us know that Jesus is also a man. And so Jesus, as the Son of God, in human flesh, walks out into that desert, out into that wilderness, and faces the temptations of Satan. We know of a few of those temptations, at least, as we, as we again, read the other Gospels. But we don't know that they're limited to just those that, that are mentioned. But for 40 days, he was tempted. This reminds us of the passage in the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 4, where Jesus is described as the high priest, the great high priest, a picture of all those Old Testament high priests that offered the sacrifices. And said so that Jesus is a unique high priest because he was tempted in every way, just like we are and was yet without sin. And so Jesus went out for those 40 days to be tempted by Satan as a, as a man, a full man, but also fully God. And he was able, because he's the son of God, to withstand all of those temptations. And that gives us an encouragement because we come to him as sinners. We get to see as Mark you know, portrays him we get to see that he is the son of God. He is the, the almighty God himself living in human, in human flesh and form. But we come to him, when we come to him with our sins, we come to one who understands what we're facing, what we're going through, how difficult those temptations are. He identifies with us because he's been there. He's been tempted. He knows the, the temptations of, of Satan, just like we do. And he understands us when we confess our sins and he loves us. And as the son of God forgives us of our sins. That's why the apostle John was able to write in first John, his first letter back in the back of the Bible toward the revelation where he says this, if we confess our sins, speaking of speaking of the Lord Jesus, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness or purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does when we come to him. And here we see an example. And, and this wasn't the only time that Jesus was tempted. He was tempted throughout his life, but he had this, this time of intense temptation by Satan. And remember, Satan throughout the scripture is, is shown to us as the enemy of God at every turn, working against what God is doing, working against the, the plans that God has. And now the ultimate plan, the, 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 the ultimate you know, climax to the plan of God is really happening as Jesus comes into this world. Now Satan's going to work overtime. Satan's going to do everything that he can to stop Jesus and do, the, and do what he was planning to do. He's going to try and stop him. And one of the things that he thought he could do was to tempt him as only Satan can. And Satan is a, is a great deceiver and he's a great liar. We've all faced some of those, some of those uh, ideas that he's planted in our minds of things that we ought to try and do or, or things that we shouldn't do. Oh, we'll be able to get away with it. It's not going to matter. It's not going to hurt anybody. You know, he's, he's a, a master deceiver. 
And he was pulling, pulling out all the stops on his temptations to Jesus. But still, Jesus was without sin. And so when we go to him because of that, when we go to him, the one who never sinned, he's able to forgive us of our sins. Now, that's not only, the, that's not only at the beginning when we first enter into a relationship with him. And that's how the relationship starts when we confess our sins to him, when we admit our need for a savior, just as, as we are praying for the thieves of, of the Lord's money. They need to come to him and confess their sins to him. That's what each of us who come to him need to do. Oh, we may not be, you know, criminals like that, you know, stealing out of church mailboxes, etc. But our sins are just as serious. Our sins are still against a holy God who made us to live our lives for his glory. And we've been living in sin and rebellion against him. And if we haven't put our trust in Jesus yet, it starts by accepting the fact that Jesus died for us and, and our sins. And so we confess our sins to him at that first moment when we come to meet him and he forgives us. But then after that, we find that we still sin. We're still facing these temptations of Satan. We're still finding ourselves, you know, wrapped up in this, in this uh, flesh suit that, that has a sin nature that wants us to, to sin. We still have the, the temptations of this world. Temptations of this body of our minds. We have all these temptations that we face and sometimes we fall and God knew that we would even after we've come to faith in Christ. And that's why John tells his, his followers, believers in Christ, like we are, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And so we continue to do that, to have our fellowship with God restored, even as believers in Christ, when we still sin. And we come to him every time remembering that he gets it. He understands us. He doesn't diminish the, 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 the terribleness, the heinousness of our sin. But he understands. And he will receive us and, and restore our fellowship with him without finding fault. Once we confess our sins to him, he takes that away. He forgets it. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms, some of the pictures are he, he removes our sin from us. Like the east is removed from the west. As far as those two you know, directional points are from each other, that's how far he removes our sins from us. Or he, or he uses the image of the picture of, of burying our sins in the, in the deepest part of the sea. That's gone. That's, it's out of sight. It's gone. It's forgotten by him. That's who he is. That's what he does for us. And he understands us, and we need to see that as we see what Jesus did here in the early part of his ministry as he went out into that desert, into that wilderness, to be tempted by Satan and never sinned. And that continued through the rest of his life. And he had plenty of opportunities to sin, plenty of reasons to sin, but he never did. As the Son of God, he never fell to any of those temptations. And that is vital for us. This is, a, this is a, a critical thing for us to remember. Even as we start the gospel, it's important for us to remember in all of our walks with Christ, he never sinned. That is so important because had he sinned, first of all, he would have proven himself not to be the son of God. And second of all, he wouldn't have been able to go to the cross for our sins. He would have had to have been punished for his own sins. Because the word of God says that the wages of sin is death. 
if you sin, you must die. Well, Jesus never sinned, so he didn't have to die, but he willingly went to the cross and died there for us so that all of us who believe in him, who deserve to die for our sins, can be forgiven and given the gift of eternal life, which means that after this body is gone, and it's only going to be gone if the Lord doesn't come back soon. All right, he could come back before the service is over. And if, we, if, if a vote mattered, we could vote right now, and, and, and then he'd come, come back. But you know, he's not waiting on our vote. You know what he's waiting on? He's waiting on that last person that he knows is going to come to faith in Christ. And we don't know when that's going to happen. But there is coming a day when it is going to happen. And then he's going to return. And until then, people are going to continue dying. But they're not really dying. Oh, the, the physical body is going to, be, going to be dead. And they're not going to be with us any longer. But the moment they're gone from this body, they're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Because Jesus never sinned. So understand, his temptation out in the desert is a big deal. And I like this, uh, this other uh, little piece that Mark uh, throws in as well. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. Now, he doesn't say a lot about what was going on, but just use your imagination. You ever been around many wild animals by yourself? Out in the wilderness? I'm not exactly... You know, I'm not real super familiar with wilderness animals, but I know what some of them are, and I don't like them. <laughs> I'm thinking of scorpions. Some of, some of you thought of scorpions. He probably encountered some scorpions out there. Snakes, some of our favorites, and other wilderness creatures creatures that he made remember that creatures that he made and and who knows what kind of what kind of goings on happened out there with those wild animals you know since he made them since he's the son of god were there conversations we don't know or was part of the attendance of the angels for him and remember, this again just points out the fact that this is God out there. The angels are doing what they do. They're serving the Lord. They're serving their maker. Those angels could have been protecting him from those, those animals, or they could have also just been meeting some of his other physical needs while he was out there with those wild animals. Those are some of the questions that we can ask because remember, we'll have time. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm probably not important enough in the scheme of things, to really have personal time with Jesus, you know, during eternity. But when you stop and think about eternity, there's going to be time. So you can use part of your time with him if you want, maybe. We're not exactly sure how this is going to work out. Um, to say, hey, what was going on out there with the animals? You know, and, 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 and how did the angels attend to you? But the, the fact, the, the point that Mark is making to us is... This is one special individual that this gospel is about. And we as his followers, we as his imitators, 
we need to recognize that and we need to glory in that. We're, we're, we didn't just pick somebody to, to, to follow because they were good looking or because they could sing well or because they were great at sports or, or whatever. We picked Jesus because he is who Mark presents him as. The son of God who is able to take care of the things that we need that only he can take care of. The forgiveness of our sins and the straightening up the transformation of our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. And as we saw in the, in the baptism, the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were, are involved in this, in this gospel. The Father speaks. The Holy Spirit comes down upon him like a dove. The Holy Spirit sends him out into the desert. The, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all presented here, all involved. And they're still the, the Godhead is still all involved in the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, in the transforming power of God in our lives. I want to turn as we close this morning to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. A, a reminder of this conforming and trans, transformation work that God is involved in. And remember, this is not just in my life or not just in the praise team's life. This is in every believer in Jesus Christ. This is what's happening. This is why it's so important for us to embrace who Jesus is, who he really is, as he's presented in God's word. Chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want to reread from verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of of your mind. That's what we're doing right now as we look at the Gospel of Mark. Our minds are being renewed. We are seeing Jesus for who he is. Not for who the people around the, our country think of him, but who he really is. The Son of God, fully God, fully man. Tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. Humbled himself even to be baptized in a, in a baptism of repentance that he didn't need to make. But he identified with us he, he did this to fulfill all righteousness because he wants people to repent. He humbled himself and was baptized in the same manner. He needs us to see him as he really is, as he renews our minds so that we know what this transformation is, is all about. We need to be transformed. Every one of us. If there's any area in our life, anything in our life that isn't being, that isn't like that of the Lord Jesus Christ, then that area of our life needs to be transformed. And we, and we, and it starts with the renewing of our minds. So set that as your goal. God has it as his goal for you. You might as well cooperate with him. You might as well, you might as well understand that what's going on in your life is, is about something. 
It's not, it's not just some kind of, you know, by chance situations happening. And then, and then you add all the superstitions, you know, things happen in threes. You know, I just had two things happen. I got another thing. It's not about that. That's not, that's not what's going on in your life. What's going on in your life is that God is transforming you into the image of his son. That's what he's doing. That's what's going on in your life. And so you might as well cooperate. Parents, you've got a plan, you've got a mission, you've got a a goal for each of your children. Don't they enjoy it more when they cooperate? Isn't life at home better when they're on the same page as you are on this project, on this mission? And then some kids never really get it. And they fight the whole way through. And then some kids, usually the middle child, after watching the older child do that, says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm going to, I'm going to get on board with mom and dad and I'm going to, I'm going to do what they say and I'm going to enjoy this ride instead of fighting through it like my older brother or sister. Now it's not always like that. It's not always according to the, the, the birth order and all that kind of stuff. But isn't it better when they cooperate? It's better for us when we cooperate. Oh, he's going to do this. He's committed He's using everything. That's why we can say that all things work together for good because he's committed to working everything out to make us more like Jesus. As long as we know that by, by a renewed mind, then we also will, will be a part of this, this process and understanding why he's doing what he's doing. Understanding the great purpose that he has for us. And if you don't know him yet, get on board with that. He wants to do that in your life. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I don't think he wants people like me. I want to tell you something. He died on that cross for every one of us. He went out there to the, out to the wilderness with the riffraff of Jerusalem and identified with them. He, he went out there to, to also show them who he is. So they would have somebody to follow. So they would have somebody to forgive them. You need a a savior, no matter what your sins are. I would encourage you this morning. Don't wait any longer. We start out the service this morning. This is the day. What a day this would be for you to put your trust in Christ. And for those of us that have, this is a day for us to recommit. This is a day for us to, to commit ourselves to getting on board with what God is doing in conforming us to the image of his son, the son of of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a project you have. Taking people like us of all of these various issues and problems and sins that we bring to you. Taking people like us and conforming us to the image of your son. We are blessed that you're doing it. And Father, we're thankful that you've given us your word, that you've spent so much time and effort in in giving us these gospels to see the Jesus that you're conforming us into, not the Jesus that's being presented around our culture and our society, but the real Jesus. The one who suffered, the one who died, the one who who moved mountains to show the world who he is and that he can be trusted. 
and he can do what he says he will do. Father, we thank you for that. We pray that you'd help us to cooperate, to be on the same mission, to be involved in the same plan, recognizing that we need to become more and more like him. We're never going to be the unique son of God. But as his brothers and sisters, Father, we know that you can do amazing things in and through our lives. And so we pray that you'd help us to make it our mission, to make it our commitment to become more and more like him in every way. And we thank you for the help that you give us by the power of your spirit, just as the Holy Spirit helped Jesus, your son, and was a witness to who he is and why he should be listened to. He also gave him leadership and sent him out into the wilderness. And Father, we recognize that your spirit works in us and gives us the strength that we need to do what you've called us to do, to become more and more like Jesus and to accomplish things that will, that will bring forth fruit that will last forever. And Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. People who also love Jesus, who also want to become like him, that, help, that we can help each other in this process as we serve you as we serve those who don't know you, as we grow in our faith, we thank you for the body of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.